Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the annual Alleluia Church Music Conference. In this session, entitled Beauty of the Child's Singing Voice Sound, Linda Harley explores ways to guide children as they learn to develop pure, clear, easy ringing tones through healthy vocal production. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at baylor.edu slash alleluia. one of the courses uh, for the children's course of Greater Dallas, a community course. If you're from Houston, you know Steve Roddy. Um, he has your group. And I'm not the Steve Roddy. I'm not the artistic director, but I am one of the conductors of the... Of, uh, and actually, my age group is a, mostly sixth graders. And I also have a church choir, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, carol choir. And I'll be referring to carol choir on and off as we go along. And uh, we're also beginning kind of a youth group out of Carol Choir. We've kind of been, we've had a huge youth choir before and now we're down. We lost our youth director several years ago and we're trying to rebuild. So um, I've just kind of got my fingers in music, you know, everywhere, singing in a couple of groups. So welcome. I'm glad you're here and I congratulate you for being here at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I, I wanted to start off real, when they asked me to do this and said, you'll have five sessions. I thought, well, in one day? <laughs> yes. And then um, I decided, okay, first and foremost, what do we need to talk about? And that is sound. And how do we get a beautiful sound? And I'll probably ask that more than any other question. That and where do you find your literature? Sound is the most important, and it's a physical thing for children. We talk about mouth shape, body shape, body posture. And we try to always have a nice, I, I try to have a nice sound going anytime I demonstrate, anytime I call them to order. So instead of saying, okay, guys, y'all have a seat, ready, you know, let's go. I always have a gathering sound, and it's for me, it's and when they hear that, their job is to immediately find their chair if they're not in it, sit on the edge of their chair if their feet flat on the floor, and you know good posture, up straight and tall. And so we've practiced that. The first day of choir, I say, okay, everybody sit back, talk, chit, chit, chat, okay, and then I'll go, and I'll see, and I'll say, I'll go, oh, it took eight seconds. Let's try that again. And so they all, let's talk, talk, talk. And we try it again. And, we, and I do this three or four times so that they've got the cue. They know it. And it's fixed for the rest of the year. If we're in line, we go into the sanctuary. And I can go very, I'll go, and they know I've got to get in line. i got to stand up. And they're supposed to imitate that sound. Now, we don't do that heading into the sanctuary. But in the choir room, they're on the edge of their chair making this beautiful round sound with the lifted palate. So that's, that's one of the ways we, I get started in rehearsal. Then because we talk a lot about our body being uh, our instrument, and so how do we treat it? We talk, I talk about an athlete, all right? If you're a, a swimmer, you have certain form that you use. If you're a tennis player, you have to swing the racket and follow through, or a golfer. And same thing for a singer. So I, I teach our students to stand tall, feet shoulder-width apart, hands by your side, sternum up tall, and this is how we begin, eyes on the conductor, toes pointed toward the conductor. It's another thing that sometimes is overlooked. Often kids will stand up straight and they'll be turned with their head looking at the conductor, and that you know, blocks off some of the airflow. So that, that's kind of one of, our, one of my most important things to talk about. Um, <clears throat> so up tall, and then I don't ever expect 
the students to sit up tall all the time. When I'm teaching or describing something or initiating some ideas, sit back, relax, and then when we read to sing, up tall. They just can't sustain it throughout the rehearsal. <coughs> and you know what they listen to all the time. You know the sounds they hear, so we have to immediately say, this is my speaking voice, or this is my head voice, this is my singing voice, and then I'll I can't scream because I just can't do that. But I'll say, you know, this is our outside voice, you know, and we talk about that. This is this is my chest voice, and I have them repeat that so they understand right away. Head, chest, speaking. This is my whispering voice. So they have all these different sounds in their mind, and they understand I'm expecting a head voice. Then <clears throat> vowels um, on the edge of our chair will start off with. Uh, actually, if, let's, if you all wouldn't mind standing up and kind of spreading out, feet shoulder width apart, taking a deep breath, breathing in, big old breath in, and on the on the vowel, it looks like this: uh, relaxed corners of your mouth. So breathe in and toes this way. Breathe in, big old breath to the floor to your toes. Eh? Breathe. Big breath to your toes. Ah, and sing. Tall mouth. Your mouth should look like this. Ah, it should look like this. Big old long uh, oval. Breathe in and sing. And breathe in on oh and. We're thinking that the palate, soft palate, is lifted on all of these sounds. And then, ooh, ready, and breathe. Ooh, fish lips. I talk a lot about fish lips on ooh. Uh, and then, um, if you'll look, turn in your, if you'll have a seat and turn in your uh, hand out. It's, I believe it's on the last, pa- uh, last page. And it's an excellent vocalese for the ooh vowel. So, <clears throat> on the word two, I might ask the students to sing. <clears throat> and I stop and say, I'm, ch- I'm checking mouths. I want to see mouths. <clears throat> no, you need to have your mouth needs to cover more. No, you're good, you're good, you're good. To every child in the room, if I, if I have time. And so that they know, they think that they're doing this. They think they have a pucker. They think they have their mouth open. And until, and you can do this in a very non-threatening way. Oh, you three look great, you great. A couple over there need work. You know, I never really point out specifically. But they, and then I just, I don't go on. I don't, I don't move on until everybody's got it right. That's one of the mistakes I made early on in teaching. I would say it and think they would do it, and then I would just go right on. And if it's never fixed, it's never fixed. So I just stop until everybody has that, that correct. So let's, let's sing through that. <coughs> and if anybody has perfect pitch in here, it won't bother you wherever I don't have, so I'll just start. Pretty sing. It's lovely. It's lovely for that new bell. Let's sing it around. Ready? Uh, let's sing it. Let's go ahead and do three parts. One, two, three, and go.
o'clock in the morning. I'm impressed. Isn't that a nice song? Even with a small number, you don't. You, you of course, you never have to do it in canon. Uh, but if I do, if I have enough singers and they know it well enough, and I've done it several weeks in unison without, and then I'll put them in canon form, and I will put them in groups. Three groups, one group stand over here in a circle, and I'll put my strongest singer in the middle. Or if I have choir workers helping me, I'll put a choir worker in each. And I have three circles going, and of course, it's they love it. It's great fun to do. So that's one that I I like to use. I got that many, many, many years ago at a convention, and I've just always loved it. Um, I, probably many of you are familiar with Eulalate Deo, the Praetorius, which is, is Latin for glory to God alone. I use this a lot for warm-up. We don't sing Latin in our church because our church folks probably... I don't know what the pastor might do, so unless it's going to eat Chelsea's or something. But um, I like teaching this one because of the vowel sounds. If you'll sing with me if you know it and sing it. I'm sorry, it's too low. And sing and This is a lovely one in canon. Let's try it. Just, just for fun, let's start over here <laughs> and sing. And our beginning warm-up. Another one that I, um, I just call it a Paris vocalese. I, heard, I was in a workshop one time and I heard the Paris Conservatory choir sing and I went early because I wanted to hear their warm-up. Mm -hmm. Oh, this vocalese was so beautiful. So I was taking, I thought, why didn't I do better on my, my you know, taking, no, <laughs> writing my notation in college. But I was taking chords down as fast as I could and then I went up afterward after the concert, and I said to the accompanist, and she spoke only in French, and I said, or very little English, and I said, I, I need this warm-up. I need the chords. Show me the chords. And so she did. So I took it home to our organist, and she put it on her computer and printed it out for me. And it is just one of my favorite vocalizes because it is so beautiful. It, does anyone in here play the comfortable at the piano? Mm -hmm. would, would, you, would you mind? Can I call on you today? Okay. <clears throat> it's, and so I just call it... And I'll sing it once for you, and then I'll show you how I work it with the children. And
how to work this with the children. We sit back on the first one, and our chairs back up tall, and we'll start back on the first one, and sing. so beautiful and the children we have a room that has wonderful resonance in it you know it's wonderful acoustics and so that's especially that's one they especially like probably because I like it so much <laughs> is there a way to get a copy of that? Uh, uh, well let's see I have yeah there's a a literary right yeah okay another one of my tricks is Ask the kids, um, okay, you're, you're about 9, 10, how old are you, 9, 10, 8, you know, 9, 10, 11, usually it's that age. Sing for me, sing like a 9-year-old, and we'll sing the phrase we've been working on, and then I'll ask them, uh, sing like a 12-year-old, and it's amazing, you don't even have to say, it's amazing that all of a sudden start singing, just, you know, sing like a 15-year-old, and then it kind of becomes sort of an opera sound. They think they're sort of sounding like opera. And what they're doing is they're raising their soft palate, and they're making a bigger sound inside. So, so often I'll say today, let's see, let's have about a 15 and a half year old sound. So, okay, that's that's very cool. So then we all maybe all the way go all the way through college, and that, believe it or not, is something that does work for sound. So, um, I use that a lot. Listen louder than you sing. You've always got one or two that are just singing out loud because they love to sing and they want to sing and they're on the front row and they want to be heard. And so um, when I have the children stand, um, just so that they can learn how to do this, I have them stand and put their elbows out like this, elbows almost touching. I don't want to touch, so almost touching. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I say, look around. See how far apart you're standing. This is your space. This is your singing space. This is what you, you're going to want to hear in this space but you also want to hear your neighbors, so you don't want to sing louder than would keep you prohibit you from hearing your neighbors. <clears throat> and then I have them sit down, and then I ask them again. I say, all right, everybody find your spot without using your elbows. We can't do that in the sanctuary on the steps, so stand, and let's see if you can find that. And so in um, fourth and fifth graders, for me, in space, they have a hard time with their bodies spatially. To make a circle 
is uh, just impossible. You know, making a circle, everybody takes a step back, but you know, three people are not in the circle, y'all back out. So they have to become, their body awareness is not as great as maybe a sixth or seventh grader. It's, it's so developmental. So we work a lot on, okay, look around. Are you closer to this person or that person? Find, find your space. So this seems to work. I like a, this distance. seems to work pretty well. I see some groups that are on top of each other, and they're pretty insecure. And for some reason, it makes them, I think, more insecure to stand next to each other. They're so close, they can really depend on that person. So they do. So I, I, I like standing about that far apart. Um, faces, eyebrows up. It helps that wonderful sound, eyebrows up. Uh, I, I always I have them... I say sparkle eyes, I say sing through your eyes, sing through your eyes, sing to me through your eyes, you know, or show me your computer face. Well, they're great at that. <laughs> so I say, all right, you know, okay, I, 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 it's not a computer, it's real life people out here, so sit tall and show me your eyes and let's think of an ice cream sundae or let's think of, so, and I said, okay, now freeze. All right, now, if we're telling a story, I'm really not going to listen if you have a computer face. You're Mom and Dad are not going to hear you. So we talk a lot about the faces and keeping the soft palate lifted. Academy Awards, we use that. I'll use that a lot, actually. I'll have one child from this side come to the front and one child from this side or in the middle. And we'll all stand. We'll get ready for our song. And we'll sing and I'll ask him to pick the person who's standing with excellent posture, not as a wooden soldier, but excellent posture, uh, head up, you know, face up, sternum high, and singing with eyes awake. And so they'll pick someone, and then we take a couple of turns of that. So that's Academy Award, and they really respond to that. Of course, I always try to model as best I can. Phrasing and breath <coughs> management. Um, we use arms a lot. So, for instance, on Glory to thee, my God, this night, for all the blessings of the... etc. And uh, just to keep the energy going and to show them the phrase, if they have an idea how long the phrase is, then they'll take that breath and support that phrase. So they know where they can't breathe until we get to the end of this. So that means taking a deep breath, which means helping the sound. I never do talk to them about diaphragm and the mechanics because they don't really, that's really hard to understand anyway. We just talk about breathing to our toes, not with our shoulders, not using our shoulders, breathing out and you know, trying to make long phrases. Now, I do not expect children to carry, I mean, if they, I, that's not top of my list. Top of my list is the, is, a, is the sound. And if that compromises the sound, then we just take a breath. I just, I, just, I just cue a breath and then we take a breath. But if it's something that they can do, I like for them to feel that phrase. But um, it's not as important to me as making a night. I don't want to compromise the sound on that, so. Um, staccato. Staccato with that uh, percussive entrance every on every single note that helps you get your tone on pitch and it gives you it energizes the sound. So come, Christians, join to sing, Hallelujah, and it also helps them find the note. It helps them, and so we practice staccato just for fun a lot of the time. Um, and then everything on poop. We're still working on tone. Everything. Because that does open up. So if you'll just let's just sing. I'll come Christians join to sing on a poo and sing. Now keep that same feel, that same form, and let's sing, put the words to it. Ready and sing. 
And if you'll work, if you'll just add those two things to that phrase, it's amazing how much better that whole phrase will sing and sing. Come, you put more of a K and sing and come, Christians, joy to sing. Amen. And I use that for warm up. Come, Christians, join to sing. It's a great vocalist. Because it has a beautiful alleluia, it's got the ooh vowel, it's got a, a consonant, a beginning consonant that, that sings well. So I use that a lot for um, a woman, and everybody needs you know, to know that hymn anyway. So um, Consonants energize the tone. Uh, look on the next page. <clears throat> this is one of their favorites. Super bubble gum. Super duper bubble gum. Super duper double bubble. Super duper double bubble. Super duper double bubble gum. And then our accompanist will, you know, will change keys. Or sometimes we just stay on that key and I'll, I'll add an ostinato. Let's sing that, please. Ready and sing. Super bubble gum. Super duper bubble gum. And of course, they like to take it fast and sing. <coughs> super bubble gum, super duper bubble gum, super duper double bubble, super duper double bubble, super duper double bubble gum. So I was, I, I put this in, and I thought, you know what? I bet we could add a wonderful ostinato to this, which I've never done. Super bubblegum. And how easy is that and how simple is that? I would do it in a little bit higher key. That's too low for the children. But let's just try that. I, I think it'll work. Uh, super ready and sing. Super bubblegum. And super bubblegum. Super duper bubblegum. And super duper double bubble. Super duper double bubble. Super duper double bubblegum. And I think that's easy enough to do if you have enough children. I never try to sing in parts or canons or rounds if I don't have enough. Um, at which, at this point, I would like to have you all introduce yourselves and tell what age you direct and about how many are in your group. I think that would be interesting for all of us to hear from each other since we have a, a small group. Can we start here? Let's see. You are. Tell me. I think you are. Do you have a question? I'm Justin Ward, I'm at the Cathedral of St. John in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I have 4th, um, 5th, and 6th, it's an uh, all-boys choir, and so... Wow. That's is it a school choir? Or is it, I mean, no, it's a, the Cathedral choir, but there's a school there, a lot of it, we're able to accomplish the program across the school. Wow. How many do you have? About 40. <laughs> okay, we're all jealous. Yeah. Forty boys. Forty boys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What? What? Do? What do you sing? I mean, what kind of music do you sing? 
I would well, say we're. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, a lot of early stuff is the very traditional and Catholic cathedral. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you sing in Latin? I mean, uh, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, yeah. I'm doing role in Bonneville Presbyterian. So, is this the first time you all have met? I'm, I've only gotten it to Shreveport in June, so oh, okay. I'm brand new. So oh, great. Uh, okay. We have a very small choir. I have first through sixth graders, and then if the seventh graders want to stay, they stay. <laughs> yeah. We have about a dozen. Yeah. So. And you know, the seventh graders, if, if they're unchanged voices, mm -hmm. can certainly sing the ostinatos, which, you know, it's a big deal for them, and that's, that's a great place for them. Mm -hmm. So, good for you. I'm Lily Jurgensen. I'm with Westbury in Houston, and it's my very first time to actually direct a children's choir at all. Yay! <laughs> and I'll be doing the first and second graders, and there's going to be about 10 or so. Okay, great. But okay. she's been in choir all her life. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And so, so much of this applies. When we get to literature, you can just make it simpler, not, you know. So good for you. Oh, well, you're starting off on a wonderful career. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, I'm Hannah Ashby, and I'm at St. Louis Methodist Church in Columbus, Georgia, and I have a pre-K choir, a K-3-2 choir, and a 3 through 5 and we've got about, about 100 kids. So. Wow. Okay, so do you combine for... Palm Sunday or anything like um, that? I mean, we do a Christmas pageant together. We do a spring musical. Um, but I try to let them do their own thing sometimes, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. for preschoolers. But, um, right. Yeah, so you, are you coordinate the choirs? I mean, you director of children's music yeah. and ours, yeah. So well, congratulations. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm Becky Lowry from uh, First Baptist in the Willows. And um, I teach boys and girls. Okay. How okay. do you do that? Uh, we have usually 12 to pick that's a good number. Yeah. Yeah. Enough to have a choir. Yeah. yeah. Susie Lowe, Halloween in Houston. And uh, I teach fourth and fifth grade. And we have around 40. And I'm Lloyd Jones, and I'm the co of her. <laughs> <laughs> it takes two for the kids, doesn't it? We actually have a lot. In we have a lot of teachers, and we're very fortunate. Uh, well, and that's, thank the Lord for that. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, you, you need them. I'm Martha Knox. I'm also a Tallywood, and I'm co-director of second grade, and we're, I think, expecting about 15 to 8. I said these are the Tallywood ladies mm -hmm. here. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Beth Lopez. I'm 46th, and I'm at Presbyterian Dallas, and I'm at about 20. That's great. And I'm from the same church, I'm from Presbyterian. I'm Becky Zeman, and I used to teach second and third graders, and I have 20. Yeah, wow. That's good numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Elizabeth Means from First Baptist Choral. I'm the first, second, third grade choral. I have a joint joint in Okay, good. Is, is there a fourth to sixth grade there? Yes. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you're here. I'm Maria Mullins, Wimberley, St. Stephen's Episcopal, and my group's turned into a preteen girls' choir. There's about six of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. You can do a lot. We can. Mm -hmm. And then in September, I'm going to start a directing choir at a Dripping Springs Christian Academy, and there'll be about 30 children between K through 3. And, and the, the group of girls, the six girls, is that a school or a church? It's church, but they all happen to go to the same school, right. too. So it's kind of a yeah, but. an outgrowth of that. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations to all of you. I feel like that... I mean, this is the best job in the world. We don't have to give tax tests. <laughs> we can go and make that hour, one hour a week, a half, as, as positive as possible. We want to make that their hour of the week. Um, you know, there's 
more difficulties now than there used to be because there's so many more activities and so much less commitment from the parents, mm -hmm. which I'm finding after so many years of teaching, it is just not what it used to be. So we feel like, you know, you have to do everything you can to make that rehearsal count without making it a circus. That's hard to do. Did I, we skip anybody? We had a couple of late covers. We were introducing and talking about what we direct and how many in our choir. I'm Sherry McKay from Calvary Baptist here in Waco, and I coordinate the children's choirs and I also direct the fourth through sixth grade choirs. And we have about 25 ish. 20 to 30. Yeah. So. Okay. Good. Great. I'm Chris Postberg. I'm a student here at Baylor, and I'm also uh, Sherry's accompanist for her. Oh, excellent. Great. Great. Having a good accompanist, that's uh -huh. <laughs> key, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm Jenny Kip. I'm with First Baptist Bryant, Texas, and um, I direct fourth and sixth grade choirs, and we have about 25, 30. You know the Andrews, I'm sure. Oh, De yes. Debbie's my longtime girlfriend. I grew up in Call Station. Okay, so you know the whole Cooper plan. Oh, the whole Cooper plan, and I, 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 First Baptist is my church. I mean, that's where I went to church. First Baptist Bryant? Yeah, so I. My parents still don't uh, Jane and Leonard Williams, actually, my father just passed away, but Jane Williams is my mom. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Uh -huh. So, great things. My kids went to A&M, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I went to Baylor. I'm going to go back to the second. Second, well, I love Baylor, too. <laughs> right, right. What is it? Is it this? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, go Bears, go Bears. Oh, Sikkim. Right, okay, Sikkim Bears. Well, so nice to meet all of you. I'm glad you're here, and I would love to have a little bit of sharing time it, in some of, throughout some of these if we finish early. Uh, okay, getting back to um, repeat only if you ask for a change. Haven't you been in choirs where they said, well, let's just sing that again? And really, it's a waste of time because they're not fixing anything. So ask, you know, ask a child, ask, ask for some change, whether it's memory or something when you repeat. Um, sometimes I divide the group in half and I have this half stand and I say would you sing those two phrases for this side of the room and then I would want you to listen and tell me what you hear and I give them something specific to listen for How are they making those tall all vowels let's, let's think about that. Is that do you hear that sound and then we'll switch sides so I have them begin to listen begin critical listening and the kids will develop that over the year, and it's pretty amazing what they can. Oh, they didn't sing their ooh vowel correctly, or oops, they didn't, you know, have the words memorized on that. So that's that's something that I like to do. Um, another um, <coughs> warm up comes to mind that works really well with this age is I have them uh, sit or stand tall and sing. Because I think. When you put motions with it, that makes it, they remember it, and they actually will do that. Let's try that if you sit on the edge of your chair. And this is, of course, to, uh, to get you tall and straight and head up. Ready and sing. And I noticed also that, remember, eh is a very, uh, Corners in. Instead of, it changes the sound. But relaxed, not tight. Let's try that again and sing. And we try it on different pitches. 
We also work a lot on sirens. Oh! And it's amazing. Doing a siren, the boys will do it every time. Then when we sing our song, here are the sirens. You know, we'll, be, we'll work on sirens, and we have a lace. Oh! And they can repeat all of that. Yes. Then we sing a song, and here, their pictures are about right in here, and they're singing down here in chest voice, and I'm thinking, okay, guys. Look, you were up here, and now I'm asking you to sing something that's just right here. You can do this. So I'll stop in the middle of that song. We just stop, and we go back to silence. And I said, look, you're way up here in the stratosphere. It's wonderful, beautiful sound. And so then I stop, and I put it immediately with that phrase. And a lot of the time, they're higher than that phrase, which is fine with me. They will find the pitches. But just trying to get them out of their chest voice helps that so much. So we just stop if we need to and work on sirens, which is what I call them. That's what they like to do. So that, that works pretty well. Uh, I rotate seating positions. Um, I'm gonna, when, we talk, when I get to the session on classroom management, I'll talk a lot about seating and seating charts and all of that. But you know, generally, I have my little short ones on the front row, mm -hmm. and we work back. And that also pretty much coordinates to age. Fourth grade's kind of generally up toward the front, unless I have a tall fourth grader. And those back row children are always on the back row, are they not? Always. And so they are always the ones that, you know, if they want to talk a little bit, it's a little bit easier to do that, they're older. And so almost, I wouldn't say weekly, but I, every other week maybe, I'll say, all right, we're going to rotate chairs. All the back, everybody pick up everything they've got, their folder and their pencils and whatever. Everybody in the back row moved to the front row. Front row moved back a seat. Everybody move back. Okay, this has caused great mass confusion, which they love. <laughs> move around, you know. So everybody changes places. And yes, I do have my kids in the front row, and they are too tall. And I can't see my second row. But that's okay, because I only leave them there for about five minutes. So I do some sort of activity, and we sing, and then I bring everybody over in front of the chart on the floor. And then I'll say, go back to your original places. You know, bring your music with you. But they've had a chance to be on the front row, and it changes everything. They see me in a different light. They see the room in a different light. They're expo they feel exposed. If you're on the back row, that's why we all kind of choose the back row sometimes. I do sometimes. It's so kind of, you know, right notes, you know, whatever we need to do. But they're kind of exposed on the front row, and it's a totally different experience for them. And the sound is different. All of a sudden, they're hearing singers behind them. So it's, again, about awareness of sound. Just why I like to have them stand about that far apart so they kind of get their envelope of sound surrounding them. And that, you know, and then if we have time, we make, uh, you know, we might move back to that seating with my tall kids in the front row, and then they will move one more time. <laughs> and then move again in the room, and then back to their original. I don't leave them there long, but just long enough for them to get that seat. <clears throat> Another thing that you can do, any of you know about dot resources mm -hmm. online? Okay, it's really great. So you probably have seen this. I use this a lot. Uh, you can just print this out, blow it up, have it laminated. I put it around the room. Of course, this is very enticing. It looks wonderful. We talk about the vowel sounds, uh, the ooh and the ah, oh, rocky road. Can you give us that website? Yes, I can. Doc Music Resources. We'll get you there. That might not be exactly right. That'll get you there. And then... F and E. So I put these around the room and we, one thing I do a lot of is I use the sticky charts, the, these little charts, and I have them made up ahead. And 
I wouldn't ask you to do this because it would mean sitting on the floor, but I'll put something over there on this wall, something on this wall, because we'd never stay in the same place longer than about seven minutes. So we're in chairs, we're on the floor here, we're over here, we're in front of this blackboard, we're all over the, we're in a circle around the piano, we're in two circles, uh, singing in canon form or whatever, but we move around the room, and so I use those a lot. Uh, how did I get to that? I don't remember. All right, um, and then, so if um, if you're ready for a, a singing in church for a worship service, it is time to quit teaching, and that's the hardest because I'm the worst about. Okay, okay, y'all. Okay, you know, all right, don't forget. You know, open your mouth. But really and truly, our, it's over. Teaching is over, and we're there to worship. And so, to focus on that instead of them making the sound, that's the key, that's what we want to do, is get them ready for worship. So I've had to train myself to stop teaching, stop asking them to continue to make changes. Too late anyway. They're not going to make any changes the last two rehearsals. Much, not much. <coughs> so um, have fun with that, and it is what it is. However they sing, it is what it is. It's not, we're not there to be perfect. I mean, we're there to sing for the Lord and teach these children to worship through singing. So that's, um, that's something I'm always working on. I think some of our uh, biggest problems are running out of breath. Again, don't, I don't expect children to hold phrases if they can't do it. I look for good breathing spots, and I also have them follow me. So one of our very first rehearsals, um, we I teach page score and measure. They can all do this. Third graders can find the page. They can find page four. They can find uh, second score. You know, I have it up on the board. They can find measure 12 because it'll say measure nine over here on the side, and they count nine, 10, 11, 12. They can do that. But you have to stop and teach that, which I do early on. Page score and measure, and then I'll say, all right, close your music. I'm going to time you page four, second score, measure 12, go and then stand when you are ready with that. And so having taught that, uh, um, then I can quickly find a place you know, where we need to be. It's quick, it's easy. Um, watching the conductor is another problem. And um, early on, I begin with everybody singing, just counting with me, one, two, three, count with me please. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two. And, of course, you're wonderful. And, of course, you know, there are a lot of mistakes, and they realize, oh, I've got to watch. I've got to pay attention. But the thing I do is teach cutoffs and entries right away. If you'll watch, and one, two, and then, of course, we have a lot of solos at that point. But they get the idea. And so then they, they, are, they learn. If you change things up, they will learn to watch you. They will learn to watch. If it's the same every time, there's not any reason for them to look up. So change it, and um, I bet you have a lot of eyes looking at you. Not opening their mouth. They think they are. Once again, we kind of addressed this earlier, but sitting tall and making your mouth shape. I, would, I don't have a mirror in any of the rooms I've ever taught in. So we can't do that, so I'll have two children. I have two children face each other and sing an R, ah, whatever phrase we're, we're singing, and then... Tell me if your neighbor has their mouth open. Is maybe yes, yes, raise your hand, you know. Or if I ask them questions, uh, you know, who's, can, can you show me, show, show me your, your ah vowel, show me your ooh vowel, everybody show me, show your partner. So they kind of work in partners on that. 
We're always working on vowel sounds. That's the bottom line for a nice sound. Um, and poor posture. They get tired sitting on the edge of their chair or standing up all the time. So there's, I'll say, okay, sit back. This is for your brain. Okay, everybody, we're going to memorize. So sit back. And I'll say, or I'm going to introduce a song, and I'll sing the first page, and I'll say, all right. And they're sitting back, and I'll say, how many? I'll sing it first, and then say, how many times did I sing Alleluia? Uh, and I show me on your fingers. I never say shout out. Show me on your fingers. You know, three and I have all. I say, well, let me sing it again, and I'm going to ask you the same question. So I insist on interactive listening. And um, so I'll sing it again, and then they pretty much get it right, three or four fingers. Um, and, but then it's time for them to sing. So now it's up tall posture. We have two up tall postures. One is on the edge of their chairs, I talked about earlier, and then the other one is standing. I also talk about a lot of fingers, middle fingers, on the side seams of their pants or skirt or whatever, just shorts, whatever they're wearing. That's a good spot for their hands. Stern them up. Feet shoulder width apart. We just, it's, it, you know, teaching is repeating, right? teaching is repeating. So those are some of the things I think that you can look and figure out immediately if that's a problem with a child. Um, it's a church choir. We all have uncertain singers, right? We all do. Rarely do we have a group. I, I mean, I'm trying to think if I've had a group when everybody could match pitches. It's, it's pretty rare. But um, so tips for teaching the uncertain singer. Well, you got to pray about that. <laughs> Just pray about that. You can pray that they find the pitch, or you can pray that they don't join choir. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, there are ways to seat these precious children, and, you know, I'm so glad they're in choir because they are not going to be in school choir. They're not going to do it. This is it. This is their avenue, and you are it. You are it. And when you think about that, I mean, that makes me cry because I just... You're it. And when they leave elementary, they just may not be in the youth choir. It may not be a youth choir in your church. And they're sure not going to make the choir at school if they can't match pitch. So you're it. It's important that it's a prepared, wonderful, loving lesson. Seating chart. There are a lot of ideas about where to put your uncertain singer. The end of a row by a very strong singer works because one ear is they can hear this strong singer and the other ear they don't have anything else coming in and they can kind of hear themselves. That works sometimes. It's just kind of what you like to do. Um, sometimes if it's a boy, actually all my boys I see in the middle because I always have less. They always feel like they're a team. They feel like there's a lot of boys, you know, if they're sitting by four or five. Mm -hmm. And behavior-wise, it's just the best place to put them, right in front of me. <laughs> so that, you know, in a service, um, I'll tell my fidgeters, I'll say, okay, when I'm in front of you and we're singing, you count the buttons on my blouse. Or you count how many pieces of jewelry I have. Or you count something, but your eyes need to be right here. You know, when we're singing, we're singing. But on the interludes or whatever, find something to do. You know, I give them something to do to put those boys or whoever right in the middle so put together. Um, another place for uncertain singers, of course, is on the front row so you can hear, but I kind of prefer seating them with a cluster of, that I like to put them with a cluster of strong singers around them. So I'll put an uncertain singer here and here and here. Closer, though, to the front than to the back because they need 
Now the other thing that works, and I don't know why it works, but it just does, I'm hearing somebody off pitch, off pitch. And so, you know, I'll just kind of say, I, you know, I don't think anybody's matching pitch. I don't ever make eye contact with them at that point. And I just kind of walk over that way. And the pitch will either get better, hopefully, or they'll stop singing. And if they stop singing, that gives me a clue that they know who they are and they know they're not matching pitch. And that's the first step to, to learning how to match a pitch. So that's really okay. They know who they are, and I'll, then I'll step back and I'll say, you know, I will try it again. Say, Some, there's, I've got somebody over here not matching pitch. Could I have row two stand, row two and three? And it'll have that singer in there. So I'm kind of zeroing in without calling on that person. So I work hard to not embarrass a child, but to realize, to help that child maybe listen better. Um, open mouth, um, big breath. If you can, give them a five-minute lesson before choir. Come early before choir next week. Let's just think, but bring a friend, bring your best friend in choir, and, and have and work in a duet with them. I mean, work together so they won't be, feel so uh, isolated. Um, manipulatives, you know, I've used that a lot, standing at the piano, using bells, using anything that'll help them open their mouth and breathe, take deep breaths. Uh, small group, look the other way, never embarrass. And then, of course, if all else fails, give them an instrument. If, you, if this child sings too loud, and it is a problem, there is not anything wrong with them playing an instrument they are making music for the Lord, and we might just need that instrument. It doesn't mean they can't sing rhythmically, can't hear the rhythm and be on the beat. So if, if, if it works better to do that, great. And you might do that some of the time. And then pray <laughs> again. Um, students, this is a given, of course, will respond to you and mirror your posture and face. And I believe that's all I have on this session. Um, would you like to share Anything about how how you get beautiful sounds from your choir and how you work with uncertain singers? I would love to hear from you. Or can they just all sing? <laughs> I can't tell you about uncertain singers what quite is working, but my son was one. Yes. And I was the director, which made it really not fun. You know, mm-hmm. and he kept singing low, kept singing low, and I thought, this is going to be a battle, so I kind of kept going, you know, kept encouraging. Yes. But the end of that story was when he was in the eighth grade, the eighth grade, he learned how to match pitch. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he's, he's a pretty strong singer now. Wow. But, it, you know, it, it does happen. And that, that's been encouraging to me. It is encouraging, yes. You know, it, it does happen. You know, if you teach those boys to sing in their head voice when they're this age, and if they will keep singing in their head voice, even when their voices are changing, in the children's mm-hmm. chorus, we have eighth grade boys in our treble chorus because they don't go to the youth group to the ninth grade. And if they want to sing, they have to sing in their head voice. And if they can learn to do that, even though their voice is changing, they will have no problems with a break, with, you know, I'm seeing guys shaking their head, yes. I mean, you can go right on and go ahead and sing baritone and tenor and whatever when you get in the youth group. And then they can still go into their head voice, and it's beautiful. And, of course, you know that sound right before the voice changes, that husky, rich sound adds so much if we can get these boys singing up in their head voice. So that's the key, you know, and, and however you can bribe them to come to choir, we need them. We need these boys. One of boys. the things also that I did was I caught these same kids in youth choir one night before they were doing a home concert singing some song way up in their head voice. <laughs> and so... And they did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had them come and sing in front of my kids. 
That's and great. I said, if these guys can do mm-hmm. this, you can. And there was something about we couldn't use kids. You right. Know, you know, That's so. excellent. Mm-hmm. Really can see. Yeah. What I have experienced for the first time now is boys in the sixth grade with their voices already changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, they check out, and bless their hearts, they have a four note range. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't been using their head voice. That's right. They haven't and, been doing that. And I don't know. You know, of course, music doesn't happen in schools as much as it used to, so they don't get that at all. But the guys on the computer or the radio or whatever, or TV, you know, which is, you know, three or four nights. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I'm a public school music teacher. she's still alive. I teach six, seven, eight, three boys, and they're the love of my life. But sixth graders have to be convinced to stay singing high. Mm-hmm. Yes, even though right. they think they've changed, right? So it's a mind game as much as it is anything right. else yeah. in, in school. Well, and, and it's mm-hmm. a macho and ego game. It's a mm-hmm. macho game, big time. And so if you can bring those older boys in, and often it has to do with their culture. Yes, that's true. And uh, having having the older ones that are in eighth grade that can actually haven't changed at all. Come and sing for the sixth graders helped, and then having those who've already changed in eighth grade come and sing for them also helps. So I mean, yeah. you need to use all the whole churches. I mean, I'm talking public school. But, oh, right. But <clears throat> but in church, if it happens the same way, it's awfully good. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the things I like to do is these boys whose voices have changed is get them to come in and start up really high, mm-hmm. really high, and work all the way down. And these kids are going. <laughs> and I'll say, and I'll, then I'll ask them, and where do you most like to sing? And they like to sing in their head. They like to soar. You know, if they teach kids to soar with the sound, they love to do that. The guys love to do that. And they and, they, like, they always choose the songs you sing in sixth grade. And they, they always choose to sing day. the soprano part. Right, exactly. If you give them a choice, they want to sing soprano. I mean, and because they learn how to do it, it feels great in their head. Sometimes, you know, it's a little bit piercing with those boys. Sometimes you get that sound that they love to sing. And say, okay, pull back. Pull back a little bit. <laughs> so anybody else like to share? I love to hear what you have to say. I know we. It, it's a way to encourage each other. Uh, I work with younger children and several of them come in who have not had musical experience and they do the sing monotone. You feel a lot of echo sing like I tossed the ball and they have to echo back to you. I read this at one of our You know, children are not being sung nursery rhymes. You know, they don't know the nursery rhymes anymore. They don't know. They're not. They don't hear the human voice a lot from cradle on. So it's just kind of a new thing for them. So we we had the opportunity. To, we get to teach these children. I do some of the same things that she does, except I use a uh, frisbee that has a hole in it. Yes. And they sing through the frisbee. Oh. I sing through the frisbee. They sing through. The oh, so you have it in front of your face? Yes. Oh, cool. Put it through my face and they don't touch it. I hold it. And then they sing through that. And I do a story. It's a game. It's a game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. 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 Sixth graders. I do a little story teaching, like my attic. The, the attic, the living room, the basement. I use a house thing, and I just make up a story. Okay. And about the mouse in the attic, and 
little boy chasing the mouse and then you have to have high voice and they have to repeat everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's not just words, just a sentence and so do you we sing? go down to the basement. Is it, do you sing? A I sing it. I oh. sing everything. Oh, I saw his mouse. And oh, then, cute. And, and the boys love it too and they try to get higher than the girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, this is fun. <laughs> it's a little competition there. Yeah, it always no, it no. works. That yeah, works. They always yeah. love competition. If they uh -huh. can sing higher than the girls, yeah. You know, yeah. they've accomplished a lot. More aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Yeah. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Anybody else like to share? Thank you. I'm interested in, in you if, um, without the girl dynamic, it, are the boys, is it easier for them to, to sing? Well, I've only had a week long camp with St. John's. I've only been there since but I, I'm coming from Birmingham. I was with the Birmingham Boys Choir before, which is a civic choir. And is it audition? It's audition. And, so and they pay? Whole, they pay to be in it? They pay to be in it. So that's a whole new dynamic. Yes, it is. But they all sing in choirs with mixed choirs at school. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a it's a totally different thing. Um, you're, you're not going to do a lot of boys. Right. And the thing, I don't know how it would be at St. John's, but in Birmingham, the thing of it was that it's, it's such an established program that they have brothers or they have friends who have gone through it and they come back and are eighth and ninth grade come back and sing as graduate assistants or whatever. <laughs> so they have these male role models. Mm -hmm. And um, it was all staffed with with men and I mean of course you teach all of them falsetto <coughs> and you know, so you have you know, me and the other uh, directors singing falsetto and they're like, oh, you know You're a man, uh, you can do it so, so um, but you know it's a hard thing because it's very it's countercultural yes. to, to be in the music choir. And that's why, I mean, at St. John's it works with us. We're gonna, they're, they're on the campus at school and we're like, okay, just come on over to the cathedral and, and originally it's not very on the And so, but um, yeah, I'm really lucky. <laughs> Do all of you teach on Wednesdays? Or some of you on Sunday? Sunday. Or Sunday morning? Anyone on Sunday morning? Yeah. So, uh, so how many of you on Wednesday? Yeah, and then the rest on Sunday. Where, whenever we can get them. Yeah, after school, because we're in a small town, we bus them to the church. You do? From the school? <gasps> the schools. Oh. That's... Only a small town. Yeah. And it's an after school program. Well, I thank you so much for being here. Oh, you are welcome. And uh, maybe I'll see you in some other sessions and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.